Sunday, 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 right here on twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media. It's the Plex, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Pacific and on into red light. We have the worst news in the week that no one else will cover. The Plex has it all. Conspiracy, right-wing nut jobs, Christian extremism, and Madison Star Moon. Tune in every Sunday at 7 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media and find our full schedule at echoplexmedia.com. The focus on ridicule. <laughs> I'm white and I've got everything I need. No one clutches their purses when they're in a room alone with me. And I can drive for any neighborhood I please. At any hour, and the police don't do a thing. So if I see a penny on the ground, I leave it alone and fucking flip it. I'm a straight white male in America. I got everything I need. I'm a guy getting paid more than a girl with a degree. And I can walk down the streets after dark, no one wants to rape me And I can get a girl pregnant and just as easily flee Just like my straight white male dad did to me So if I see a penny on the ground, I leave it alone and fucking flip it I'm a straight white male in America I've got all the luck I need Got a pile of broken mirrors and I'm walking under ladders And I'm spilling tons of salt But to me that doesn't matter Cause my skin and my gender and my orientation Are the best things to have if you live in this nation I recommend it highly So if I see a penny on the ground I leave it alone and fucking flip it I'm a straight white male in America I've got all the luck I need Shit's gonna work out for me Cause I'm a straight white male in America I've got all the luck I need Hey everybody, welcome to the Intellectual Dollar Tree. We do the show live every Wednesday at 7pm Pacific right here on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia. And uh, I don't know, give us some money. Patreon.com slash echoplex or hit up our website echoplexmedia.com Click the support tab. I am producer Dave. You can find me on Grinder, And I am HK Perrin. You can find me on Mastodon at hparin at port87.social. Fantastic. <clears throat> well, it's been a while since we've done a fucking Steven Pinker video, my friend. Oh. I think there's a good reason for that. Yes. <laughs> because we fucking hate doing Steven Pinker videos. But he's on something called the Daily Stoic Podcast, and he's really scraping the bottom of, uh, bottom of the barrel because we have more Twitter or uh, Twitch followers than they have uh, YouTube followers. <laughs> so, like Steven Pinker is like not really not really aiming high anymore. Maybe he's laying low, and maybe it's just he blocked everybody. <laughs> this motherfucker has blocked more I people mean- than Madison Star Moon. In all fairness, he could just be like, you know, trying to be kind to a a a, a new or up and coming uh, content creator. Yeah, maybe, or maybe he's like, oh, stoicism—that's something I'm supposed to be interested in. 
if you go to a p- fucking dinner party and you're like, hey, you know, you meet somebody, maybe they seem a little interesting. You're like, oh, you know, wh- what are you into? Like, what's going on with you? And then they go, you know, I'm really into stoicism. Fucking run away. Because <laughs> you're not too far away from a conversation about like fucking skull sizes and shit. I mean, like, <laughs> it doesn't have to be a dinner party. If anyone ever says that to you, probably go away. Right. If you learn that that's, that's what, how they view the world after having been their friend for a couple of weeks, it may be time to sit them down and be like, listen, listen, dude, <laughs> listen, dude, you're not actually more uh, stoic than other people. You just think that it's a good idea. <laughs> you're never going to meet a, a gay dude who is a stoic. <laughs> like you won't meet any people of color who claim who are stoics. It's just all going to be very unremarkable white guys. <laughs> Speaking of unremarkable white guys, here is Steven Pinker's uh, interview with the Daily Stoic. Communicate is contained in the longer article. And, you know, not always a book, but a long enough article that it isn't. Wait, what? I suspect that any movement that kills its critics or fires or shuts them up, uh, is prob- that's probably a sign that this is a decadent intellectual movement that's not going to lead to something good. Was that the best part of the interview? Fuck. I bet his podcast isn't even every day. Guardian profile of you. I, uh, I, I could have, Welcome uh, to the Daily Stoicism I, podcast. I we like podcast it. weekly. I, I was not. Uh, it was not. Was the time we spend being stoic. My time. Why? Why not? Well, he uh, presented a lot of things totally chopped out of context. Uh, he um, uh, kind of. I think I thought uh, snooped around my my uh, apartment, my office. About my private memorabilia, and then kind of presented it as if I did. You take anything from the girls at Epstein Island? Don't lie. Kind of, uh, you know, narcissist for displaying it. I didn't. It was kind of none, none of his business in the first place. Uh, and they were uh, uh, kind of snooped around for any dirt that he could find. Why is his backdrop like? Number of former you can see in his hair. There's like a little bit of a green glow. Yeah, you can tell he's on a green. Stephen Pinker. He's in front of a green screen. Why did he choose that as his backdrop? It's like a like a like a suburb leading into like a bigger city, like a, an overview, mostly sky. You mean he's not just sitting on a chair on top of a hill? <laughs> <laughs> he like dragged an office chair up a hike <laughs> and a little MacBook. He spoke to him at length and uh, none of that made it into the interview. So it was, it was in general, it was an adversarial in, uh, profile. Ah. I knew that that was possible because uh, 25 years ago, I had read Janet Malcolm's famous essay on how journalists uh, like to co- cozy up to their subjects and pretend to be friends, but then uh, uh, often, often write uh, highly. Wait, he has a fundamental misunderstanding of what like a journalist does. Isn't a journalist's job to like write an article or maybe even a whole book about a subject matter? And just because they're being cordial to you, like while they talk to you, doesn't mean they're not going to burn you down in their article. Correct. Like the journalist's job isn't to be your friend. Yeah, that is journalism 101. There, it's probably like be polite to your subject. Like if you're interviewing somebody about something, it's probably like, oh, you should generally be polite. You'll get more out of them if you were polite to them. <laughs> but like, what the fuck? Does he think that everybody who's polite, oh, these people all think that. 
right? They, they all think that if someone's polite to them, like during an interview or whatever, that that's their friend. It's like a big IDW thing where they like, they like think that because somebody was cordial to them that, that like in person or whatever, that this person would never, ever say anything negative about them in the larger public conversation. Yeah. These are probably also people who think that the waitress is hitting on them. Right. Right. The f- we'll, we'll go with food server here. We'll, we'll be, we'll be, we'll, otherwise the woke police are going to come after us. But yeah, specifically. Well, I doubt they would, you know, maybe some of them, but I doubt most of them would think that the waiter is hitting on them. Well, the food server that happens to, to uh, appear to be a man. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had a friend who would always hit on the food server and I'd be like, what are you doing? You're putting them in a very awkward position because it's their job to be nice to you. Yeah. Don't hit on your wait staff. Uh, or anybody when they're at work, especially if you're at work yeah. with them. I, so I, was, yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of people like, like you, I don't know if you were being sarcastic or not, but a lot of people said, Oh, great profile. You, 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 uh, came off so well. And, uh, you know, perhaps that is the, the, uh, uh the impression I'm being overly sensitive. No, no. I, yes. I, you were overly sensitive, sir. Large, largely positive, but isn't it interesting when you, when you are the subject of how the news is made and then I think there's something I think was the gal amnesia effect. You see how the news is made when it pertains to you or something you're an expert about. And then you go back to consuming the news as if it wasn't made with a similarly misleading or uh fundamentally flawed process, right? Like uh, speaking of rationality, if our understanding of the world is dependent on the news beat, this guy's a shitty interviewer. They just kind of popped in with some drama about some journalist Steven Pinker's mad at. He didn't even introduce him, ask him about his book. Like he didn't even be like, Hey, what's your name? <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a different theory too. Um, you know, I, I, I do think he's right. You see how, you know, the news is made when it's about you, but you also see how you're not the hero in everyone else's story. Right. Like if somebody wrote like a piece, like if somebody wrote a piece about our show and it was like, and I interviewed with them and they were like pretty cool to me and whatever. And their piece was highly critical of our show. I might actually read their piece and see what they had to say and be like, Oh, well, maybe I do a little too much of that. Or, Oh, you're never going to get me to stop drinking on the air. Or, yes, sometimes I smoke cigarettes on stream. Yeah, yeah, all these things are true. Okay, yeah, mean, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we focus <laughs> too much on people's character. Sure. Oh, we've entered the conversation in bad faith. Well, that comes pre-advertised, right? But I'd like kind of. <laughs> That's literally our slogan. <laughs> I'd like. I'd like maybe maybe take it. It's take, it's it's on my shirt. Oh, you're wearing, yeah, you're wearing the pink HK shirt. I'd take a, um, I'd take a moment, like, but if there was other, like, less kind of funny criticisms or whatever, I'd take a minute to, like, think about them and be like, well, is this, you know, could, could we do a little bit better job in a couple places here because, you know, this or that criticism is, is being leveled at us. And then I'd hit you up and be like, well, funny enough, HK, they really like me. <laughs> <laughs> They're super nice to me. <laughs> All these criticisms must be about you. like this idea that like this idea that first of all just he called it he called it a hit piece they didn't even really do a good job of saying what the article was either other we probably talked over it that might be another criticism is that we talk over the important parts and don't leave the captions on who knows and then you just uh you know experienced how the news media works it does shake your uh, understanding of the world a little bit 
Yeah, it does, and that that is a there is a kind of insight that you get from being a uh, subject of a uh, of a media profile. And I remember the first time I was in a documentary uh, many years ago, it gave me a new appreciation for how films are made. I mean, just seeing it through different eyes, knowing how the uh, the process works, and it was a a, a good experience because even um, dramas and fiction. Uh, just Why did the guy pick a marble countertop for his background of his fucking video conference? <laughs> You're right. It is a marble countertop. Maybe he just got new counters and he's really proud. <laughs> this is just weird backdrops all over the place. I mean, this guy's got books, the interviewer. He's, he's just got books and that's normal. A fairly standard but fare for a pseudo intellectual. Yeah. Like one out of three backdrops is normal. <laughs> how the cuts must be selected from a much larger recording process, what choices a, a director makes, gives you a, a new set of eyes with which to view the whole medium. Yeah, that's one interesting argument I've heard for why uh, public trust in the media is at an all-time low. Is it because they write nasty articles about Steven Pinker? I don't think so. I think most people don't like Steven Pinker. <laughs> effectively we are all content creators of some kind everyone sort of understands how these algorithms work to a certain degree or or understands the incentives that are operating under content creators because we've experienced it in our own facebook feeds or twitter feeds we uh <clears throat> the the uh illusion of the sacredness of the media or it's sort of uh flawless uh methodologies has fallen away and that's partly why we don't trust wait is that what people thought before that the media was flawless and sacred no no one has ever thought that the media the media has never even claimed that i don't think any media network ever has claimed that uh, maybe with fox. maybe the exception of like you know fox news oh, had Info their Wars. slogan of fair and balanced Infowars definitely claims that <laughs> all right you're you're probably right <laughs> they, they make a version of that claim for sure <laughs> as much uh yeah that that, that could be although I, th I suspect the bigger factor is the polarization that sure uh, everyone hates the media that they think are giving unfair coverage to the people they hate yeah you have an you have an interesting study in this book where you show was a book gun control you just showed us that that wasn't very stoic of you <laughs> <laughs> he holds up the book for like one frame and around it are two frames that are super blurry <laughs> what book do you think that was i have no idea was it stephen pinker's book i don't know and then sort of the pre uh uh the presuppositions you bring to it determines how you read that how you read that data i don't talk much to the chat but uh, a, a couple times co-host of this channel uh historian matt's in the chat is like i'm into his stoic philosophy boo dave boo dave i just found this out about you matt you're fine i've known you for fucking like four or five years now and i just found out that you're interested in stoic philosophy you're fine you're not like you're not like if your name would have you been like oh i'm gonna choose stoic matt when you first joined my discord i'd be like i don't know about this <laughs> Yeah, we were we were specifically talking about the people who will tell you that within the first few minutes of meeting them. <laughs> it's an example of the my side bias, which is yeah. 
one of the, the most pervasive of all of the cognitive biases. It affects people regardless of their intelligence. It uh, affects people on both sides of the political spectrum. But yes, in the, uh, the, the clearest illustrations are that if you present a policy proposal and you say it comes from a Democrat, then the, the Democrats think it's a great idea to Republicans. I think it's stupid and vice versa. Or if you present the results from... I don't think that's true. That it depends what the policy is. I think if you... If you present the policy... Like, I think it's true to a certain extent. I think if you present a policy and you say, you know, it's from your side, people will lean more towards accepting it uh, and vice versa if you say it's from the other side. But I don't think you can take a shit policy and make someone like it because you say it's your side's policy. I mean, again, this this is all this is all like kind of subjective too, right? Like when you mean shit policy, but like yeah, something with a bunch of holes in it that doesn't make any sense, that's needlessly vague or verbose. Like I think a lot of people are going to be like, I don't even know what the fuck I just read. I don't care who wrote it. It's like a it's like a fucking Eric Weinstein book, maybe if he ever wrote a book. <laughs> like Obamacare, right, is a perfect example of this. I am not a fan of Obamacare. Like I will say, it is better than what existed before but not by much and it's not good you know it is it is so far from good it was a step in the right direction but to get to the good side in that direction is you're gonna have to take thousands more steps so like i think what's missing from uh pinker's i guess we'll call it an analysis here is that if he would have said People who operate in a near in a purely partisan way or nearly purely partisan way when they evaluate politics, this might be closer to true. But if you're okay, like yeah. left of center or right of center and you're not really necessarily partisan, but you're ideal ideological, you this might be less true. Okay. Yeah. I think that, you know, That's you're left of center, but you're not a, you know, a rah rah democratic partisan. I am very far left of center. I am right. much further right. that's, than that's that, neither here nor there. You could be center left and still not be like hyper partisan, right? Yeah. And so like what's missing from his analysis is like how how partisan is this person? Not just are they team blue or team red when they vote, you know? Yeah. Tests some policy intervention favored by the by the uh, left or right each side will think that the data support the position that they believed all along even with the, with the same data and sometimes even more so if they are highly numerate that it does not protect them from interpreting data to, in the way that they uh, uh, prefer a priori yeah now that I part i will agree with him on uh and i think that's exacerbated by partisan media because you know what, nonpartisan media, in as much as that can exist, uh, will try and look object like it's the goal to look objectively at data and draw a conclusion. But you know he's he's totally right in that like partisan media will look at the exact same data and draw completely different conclusions. And, and not for nothing, they just got done talking about a piece of media that wasn't like a glowing review of Steven Pinker, and they were talking about how bad it was. <laughs> <laughs> that, like that, that just happened. 
That wasn't like it's some interview five years ago. That was in like this interview less than five minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to spend too much time on the media, but it it did strike me that if rationality is always hard, and I think it always has been hard, uh, it's got to be more difficult in a time where uh, and you quote Steve Bannon, uh, you know, flooding the zone with shit. It's got to be harder to be rational when the zone is flooded with with shit, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, um, sort of whoever you are, whatever you're trying to study. It having to wade through misinformation and disinformation and just plainly lots of information, it, it, it makes a sort of a timeless struggle more difficult, I suspect. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think it's exacerbated by the um, huge amount of editorializing, supporting your own point of view, right. that you can uh, get that, uh, you know, that, that dubious form of pleasure or satisfaction from seeing the umpteenth article that, that uh, attacks your enemies or uh, ratifies the, the justness, justness of your side. And uh, we have uh, not, not all of it is fake news, but uh, a lot of it is uh, all too much fun to read and, and can, I think can reinforce people in their prejudices. Yeah, and may, maybe the, the solution to the problem is just everyone should consume a lot less contemporaneous information. I mean, there's something about, you know, a three or four hundred page book. Or, oh, well, that was a Stephen Pinker so book, I could tell. Your books are much, Looked much woke, though. Than that, uh, a rainbow remember, on it. Uh, the blank slate um, yes. and, and better, better. That time angel. he held it up for just long enough that the, the blur wore off when you're in the center frame. Long form uh, sort of analog argument as opposed to reading uh, a, a thing that's been reduced down to 240 characters or a thousand <laughs> words that you're reading on your phone as you're being besieged by ads or, uh, you know, there's a rabbit hole you could go down at any time. I think we need sort of quiet, dedicated space to explore big ideas. What they mean is that we all need to be rich enough to have a wooden library in our home, like a study, <laughs> right? We need to have a study. There needs to be like a pipe, like a, a tobacco pipe, though, not a weed pipe, a tobacco pipe that you light with a match on your desk next to your reading glasses that actually aren't even they're not even corrective. You just put them on because that's what you put on when you're reading. We need to go back to like an old timey smart person version of, of like consuming information. Maybe read the classics. <laughs> like when he says that we shouldn't be reading so much contemporaneous information, the news, the, the first you take off the word S on news and it says new. <laughs> so that's what the news is. It's the news. It's what's new, baby. I think. Giving him the benefit of the doubt, he might be criticizing the 24-hour news cycle. Maybe. Where they're, like, just trying to make stories. So they, they're just, like, analyzing everything. And go back to, you know, the kind of how it used to be where the news ran for one hour. On, like, three different stations. Like, if if we have these cognitive biases, we need room to uh, sort of uh, override them, so to speak, and and perhaps the the sort of technology and the medium with with which most people get their information is not conducive to that. Epictetus said that philosophy wasn't this dry, abstract thing; it was a thing exploring with. 
That's how I think. Nope, 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 nope. Gosh, nope. what is this? Is an this an ad? ad? Okay. There is uh, um, uh, so much information available, so much bad information, but so much much uh, good information, even for sure. a discer- discerning consumer of uh, um, editorials, of, of uh, reporting, of explanatory articles in the sciences. Uh, I sometimes find myself despairing at the uh, lack of time to read all the things that clearly are high quality and interest me. So it, it's a uh, uh, kind of a perverse byproduct of one beneficial aspect. Just keep blocking people on Twitter, dude. You'll eventually just be following seven people. There's so much interesting stuff around. And so the the uh, shorter articles and the ones now with the actual reading time posted at the top of the article uh, you know, address the problem. There are only so many hours in the day and there's some optimal trade-off between breadth and uh, depth. But you're right, there's some... How good of a reader do you have to be to match those times, though? And, like, I think they, I think they just do that so that if you like, if you've got ten minutes before dinner, you find an article that takes less than ten minutes to like. I don't. I'm uh, I'm I'm not a great reader, so if an article says ten minutes at the top, it usually takes me about fifteen minutes to read it. <laughs> I mean, if I'm reading something that's like about uh, a thing I care about or a thing that I'm trying to learn about, the 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 thing about a good article is that it's like sourced well, and so you end up reading other stuff too. Right. You end up like, oh, you're like, oh, well, this yeah. is where this piece of information came from. Let me go check that out and see what that is. And so you if you're actually reading something, it could be a thousand words. But if there's 10 links in it that are explaining like why this person is taking the position they are, then you are actually probably should be reading like 11 articles, including the one you're reading right now. And all those articles yeah. have ha- are sourced. And so the the first place you find a piece of information or or somebody's point of view on something i i, I hope people aren't stopping there yeah wikipedia will do that to me i'll i'll have a wikipedia article open and by the time i finish it <laughs> i've now got you know nine more wikipedia tabs after this one <laughs> open <laughs> Yeah, like my last article, and I'm not going to get into what it was, but it was pretty well sourced. It was probably, I don't know, 1,200 words, but it was pretty well sourced. It would probably take you a couple hours to dig into everything that was in my in my article. It just wasn't all my words. Like the content yeah. of my articles include videos, uh, links to a lot of times local news when I'm trying to find like the real deal on what happened, if it happened in a particular locality, et cetera, et cetera. So like just the fact that the article's short doesn't mean that it's bereft of information. It might have a wealth of information and you just got to click some shit to go find the like the deeper dive that somebody did into one aspect of the thing someone's writing about. Like otherwise, otherwise if you have to like literally fucking explain everything in your article, then you're just going to end up fucking plagiarizing other people essentially <laughs> like that's why links are great. Pursued at book, book length. I, I uh, obviously believe that. Otherwise, I wouldn't write these books. No, they're not uh, fun. They're not fun to do. They're not fun to do. I hope they're fun to read. <laughs> yes. Assume. Uh, and and certainly the what I have avoided. Blank slate is one of the worst books I've ever account. read. It's got you know more followers than I thought would be possible. But I avoid the uh, style of Twitter commentary of uh, just issuing a snarky pronouncement on all of the events and uh, other articles that that cross your your uh, screen uh, i use it as a um i, I virtually always 
uh, we'll, we'll uh, link to some article that expresses the argument in um, adequate uh, depth and length. So I consider my tweets to be like the taglines published under the headline of a magazine article. This is what sure. this is about. This is why you might be interested in reading it. But the substance of what I, I'm trying to communicate is contained in the longer article. And, and you know, not always a book, but a long enough article that it isn't, it isn't the, uh, the, the 240 characters. But I feel like even some of the instances where some of the things you've said have been controversial, but then, you know, anyone that publishes on the internet uh, and says like, here, look, here's all the evidence for what I believe, you, you sort of get people go, I've seen enough. I, I saw the headline. I have, I have my opinion formed already. And I'm re like, but that might be the case. If, if like <clears throat> somebody busts out an article, if, if I like all of a sudden tomorrow, somebody puts out an article about ethics and game journalism. I'm like, I already know what this is. <laughs> fucking seen this like like how many you know what i'm saying it's like the fucking when the chemtrails people are like oh do your own research watch this video do this watch this it's like how much of this shit do i have to consume before you think it's okay before i can just make a snap judgment about like a point of view that i've been exposed to over and over and over again yeah in the case that it's brand new sure that could be an issue of like judging it based on the headline but yeah, I see your point where like you just kind of get tired of reading the same old article over and over again. Right. Like, I don't want to read another article about the heritability of fucking intelligence. I just don't want to read it. I don't care which side of this <laughs> fucking shit you're on. It all, it's, if you're on one side, you're just debunking racists. And if you're on the other side, you're probably a fucking racist. I already know the fucking I already know the fucking the field of play here. You don't have to put the word probably in that sentence. <laughs> okay, fair Books, enough. I, I wrote a book a few years ago called Ego. I'm the one who gets the shit for this not, show, not, not you. Not uh, the Freudian ego, but <laughs> the sort of the colloquial ego. And people, uh, I'll get emails. People go, well, I haven't read your book, but here's why you're wrong. You know? <laughs> yes. And, and, <laughs> this guy wrote a book? Like, is there anything more egotistical than knowing uh, that I'm wrong before you have read it? But that's what people do. We have our instantaneous reaction to things and we go, that's enough. True enough. Uh, and there is an art form of Twitter snark and sarcasm where you have a, a pithy comment that uh, Hit me. Uh, usually snide that puts down or dismisses or demonizes some other commentator. Sure. Uh, and it's so like to the extent that that is a problem, though, the, you know, people judging an article based on the headline, that's usually a result of people writing shitty headlines. Like I've literally read a headline for an article and then read the article and the article expressed the opposite view of the headline. And I mean, that's like, okay. Not if, just that the headline wasn't expressed in the article. It's that the opposite of the headline was a, expressed in the article. Did the headline end with a question mark? No, okay. it was a it's, statement. Because that would be, that would be fine, actually. <laughs> it's provocative to, to put a, pose a question as your headline. Probably doesn't lead to enlightenment. What? I've always felt like the straw man, the sort of Twitter response to uh, Better Angels uh, uh, was 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 an odd one because. Oh, those people are just insufferable. 
the better angels, braver angels, people, they're just fucking insufferable. That's my response to it. I can't tell you how many times at the fucking humanist community meetings we were doing, somebody would come would from that fucking braver angels would show up and they'd be the most annoying motherfucker I've ever listened to talk in my life. So that's pretty much the better angels of our nature, braver angels of our nature thing. My, my problem is that y'all are fucking annoying actually <laughs> fucking write that shit down and put it on Twitter. It's, it's a beautiful book. It's very long. Um, but, but there's this sort of straw man that what you're saying is that humanity is just getting better and therefore we don't have to do anything uh, that, that progress is sort of preordained and, or, or people will try to try to go, well, what about this bad thing? Uh, how, how does that fit into your argument? But I always felt that what your argument was in that book was that um, the reason things are better is that uh, a lot of hard work and effort and changes has gone into making them better. And that while we are the heirs to that tradition, uh, it could also stop at any moment as well. That's exactly right. And I continue to be amazed at, at uh, two, the, the, exactly those two responses, neither, but both of which seem to be really elementary blunders of thinking, but yes. that are surprisingly complex. The one is, well, how can you say things are declined? Uh, bad stuff happens. Well, yeah, but those are to- totally compatible. Namely, bad stuff happens, but in the past, even more bad stuff happened. Uh, so they're, str- they're right now strawmanning the, <clears throat> the criticism of some of his work. Some of the criticism of his work is that the metrics that he's using for things like extreme poverty are like outdated metrics that the metrics no longer apply because of the, uh, the wealth gap. That's like one of the, the main critiques of, uh, pinkers like, Oh, things are getting better. Well, yeah, but for who? Yeah. For like, when you look at the average, sure. But what about the people at the very bottom? What's, what's happening to the people at the very bottom of this distribution or even like, you know, one fucking, uh, I don't know, one, level on the ladder down from the center right <clears throat> it turns out that once you get below like the the sort of average or whatever things are getting worse for those people at a you know at an alarming rate once you get above the average things are getting actually better for those people at too 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 much of a rate i would say and so like your just because the average is going up like in by whatever metric you're using doesn't mean that the people below the average, their, their, their quality of life or whatever, that doesn't mean that that isn't going down. Yeah. Like the, the bell curve of wealth, it may be shifting toward the wealthier side, but it's also flattening, getting much wider. Like what is the average net- that huge wealth gap? What is the average net wealth between Jeff Bezos and uh, a homeless person. Uh, I believe it's in the many billions of dollars. Right. But do you think things are getting better or worse day by day for the homeless person as that average goes up? I'd assume they're getting worse. I mean, that's an extreme example, but you can, and we don't, you know, it's just the, the first thing that came to my head. But, you know, if you just think about people in poverty or people that are working poor people living paycheck to paycheck, things are getting worse for them. And, and more people are living paycheck to paycheck. But the, you know, the average quality of life, when you, when you take like literal, a- when you take averages, you put everything together. Yeah. I guess it's going up because there's fucking people at the top of the fucking pile. Who's who have like three yachts. And one of their three. yachts has its own yacht that it can dock into it. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
you know it's like and then that yacht has an even smaller yacht to be fair that's a pontoon and that's boat. the normal sized yacht that everyone else has and that yacht has a pontoon boat <laughs> yeah yeah it's like a, that fucking matroshka doll of like yachts <laughs> The, uh, a decline is not the same as a disappearance. To say that uh, X is less than Y is not the same as saying that X is zero. Right. So there's, there's that um, strange inability to even conceptualize the concept. But wait a minute. In his example, as Y keeps increasing and X goes down a, just a little bit, well, Y is increasing kind of fast and X is going down a little bit. The average of those two is still going up, but X is getting worse again. It's like fucking, he can't even come up with, like, he can't even cut, like, he's strawmanning the argument. Sure, there are people with dumb responses to what he's saying, but I don't even necessarily mean dumb. I mean, like, non-academic responses to what he's saying or not very well thought out responses to what he's saying. But most of those are just regular ass people who are like, excuse me, I can't afford my car payment and I work 50 hours a week. What the fucking shit are you talking about? And yeah, I guess that's a singular person replying to, like, somebody who's a fan of Pinker. And that's not like, that's not a really well-reasoned and statistical argument, but there are people out there who have made arguments with statistics explaining why this, oh, the, uh, the world is getting better. You know, it's like when Fox news is like, well, how can you be poor if you have a big screen TV? It's like, it's like baby flat screen TVs over 40 inches have been like the norm for fucking 20 years now. And you could get a hammy down or some, or you know, some like somebody in your family's doing pretty well and they buy you a nice Christmas gift and they buy you a I brand mean, you new could TV. Get a, you could get a brand new flat screen TV that's 43 inches for, I think, $300 at Best Buy. So it's like, cool, $300. That's not going to pay for rent for a year. Right. Like, that's, that's like, what, a fifth of rent? A fifth of the average rent? Right for like like California, yeah. For like, and that's like a one bedroom apartment, and that's for one month. Yeah, that's that's, and I don't know if he's you know doing that version, but the Fox News version of that is the the extra one eighty. Um, the Fox News version of that is an extreme version, but he he doesn't. He's either not. He maybe he just blocked everybody who fucking has a reasonable argument against like what he's has to say because again he's blocked a lot of people. Yeah. And anybody who's ever mentioned Epstein is probably blocked by Mr. Pinker for, you know, one reason or another. And I think he is doing what you're saying where, you know, the, the quality of life so-called is going up, um, in terms of like whether you have access to a refrigerator, right. But like access to a fridge won't pay the bills. Right. And like so many people can't pay their fucking bills. And that not for nothing that that fridge is that fridge is included in the apartment you can't afford. (laughs) So in the end, I know this is like this is like practically communist of me to say this. Like I I might as well just grab a hammer and sickle. But if you work full time, you shouldn't be barely scraping by. And again, about the fridge, uh Guess if you can barely afford your rent, you can actually barely afford that fridge because that fridge is part of the apartment you're renting. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like like the stove is barely, you know, it's part of the apartment. The indoor heating, the indoor plumbing, those are all part of the apartment you can barely afford to to fucking rent. So it's those aren't even your things in most cases. Like you mentioned the fridge, the TV's yours, right? But the fridge ain't if you rent. Yeah. But yeah, I'm I am of the opinion that you know, 
if you work full time, you should be able to have a comfortable life. Meaning, not only can you pay rent, you also have disposable income to afford things like a better TV or a fridge if your fridge breaks or like a game console so that you can play games when you get off your your full-time job. Things can get better without being perfect. And the other one that you correctly identified, which is surprisingly commonplace, is uh, things got better. Oh, so you're saying they got better by themselves. Well, well, no, that doesn't follow. Things can get better not because they got better by themselves, but because people tried to make them better and, if, and, and occasionally succeeded. And the implication being, if we want things to get better still, we should figure out what worked in the past so we can do more of it now. Yeah, and you obviously talk a, a lot specifically about violence and reduction and, and the sort of changes we made as a society that, that did that. What I thought was really interesting about the new book, Rationality, is and it, I didn't quite feel that till oh, he finally the named the book that this interview is about. You could almost argue that this book is a prequel to Better Angels because you're sort of making the argument that of all of the things that have produced the progress and thus the decrease in violence, uh, rationality was the first thing, or all that almost all of these movements or changes began with some sort of either rational breakthrough, a rational discovery, or a rational argument like, hey, uh, uh, actually, isn't there like pretty substantial evidence that the one of the major factors to the reduction in violence and violent crime that we've seen in the past, like, what, 60 years or something was because we stopped using leaded gasoline? Yeah, it's hard to substantiate something like that, right? Because you're <clears throat> basically arguing in favor of like a negative or whatever. But that's some people believe that. Uh, some people believe that um, access to family planning um, helped a lot because you know people who are from unstable households where the parents don't even want, don't really want the kids, aren't really going to have the best upbringing, and you know that that probably will you know increase like across society will increase the. Uh, the rate of violence. It could just be that, <clears throat> you know, it could be that, and a lot of people don't like this could be that more people are moving to cities and learning to live with each other in a dense environment. And so like you're less inclined maybe to act violently when people annoy you, if you encounter annoying people all the time, because I mean, if you live in a place where there's a ton of people, you're going to encounter great and interesting people all the time, but you're also going to encounter annoying people all the time. And so maybe you're just your tolerance to bullshit and noise and just all of the, like, I don't know, you know, I don't know what the, the drivers of violent crime necessarily are, but I could imagine, uh, moving to more and more people moving to cities is going to probably drive down violent crime and not drive it up. Yeah, I can see that. I don't know for sure. I'm just kind of spitballing, but, uh, who knows? other human that's wrong um that that really rationality is is necessary but not sufficient for progress of the human species uh yeah and it was a surprise in writing better angels how often a uh, a moral movement a movement toward greater social justice uh, at least temporally originated with an argument an argument for something that today we would think needs no argument like right. You really have to argue why you shouldn't burn heretics at the stake. 
And the answer is we, people did. And then those are, fortunately, those arguments came. So you're going back a long way, buddy. In the sense that if, uh, if no one had actually written that viral pamphlet, the, uh, that yeah, I believe you have to, you have to reach back over 200 years. I mean, find the last case of that. I mean, I, not it, the last case, but the last time that that was commonplace. And I mean, that, that, that ideology keeps rearing its ugly head. Like we're in the midst of another satanic panic right now. Um, so like, I don't know if like, I'm not buying a shit on rationality. I think there could be something also with just uh, greater state power. Like you, if you live in a city, the police are very close by. Whereas if you live in like a rural place, maybe the police aren't as close by. I, I just, I just don't know that, that these things are all just solved by like somebody having the winning argument. In fact, that's like a very kind of privileged <laughs> academic person thing to say about the, the March of social justice. Also not for nothing. This guy is only for social justice that already happened. <laughs> Right. If we're talking about things that are, would be, would be considered social justice right now, he would, he, his, his fucking tune changes real quick. Century, but it's not, not implausible given the chain of events. It doesn't mean that every improvement was uh, conceptualized and argued for in, in the better angels. I talked about, for example, the, uh, the decline of, of tribal raiding and feuding and, and then blood feuds, the decline of medieval brigandage and homicide and, and uh, deaths from uh, jousting and, um, and, and other conflicts. Oh, them. shit. You know why there's fucking less violence is people don't joust anymore, HK. <laughs> <laughs> they only do it at a Ren Fair. <laughs> yeah, there is jousting. It's just not deadly anymore. <laughs> all, right, all right, old timey Steven Pinker. My, some of which was may have been a byproduct of the consolidation of kingdoms and states. I mean, very little where, jousting in the past I mean, was, was deadly anyway. That went into it. Namely, it's a nuisance for uh, emperors and kings if their subjects are fighting each other, just as it's you know, a nuisance for farmers if his livestock fight each other. He right. doesn't kill. He doesn't well, that's fucking all right, Stephen Pinker. Thanks for comparing the subjects of, uh, of kings in a feudal society to the fucking livestock on a farm. All right. That's not weird or a problem or anything, dude. Fucking, there's no reason anybody would think you're a giant piece of shit, actually, Stephen Pinker. My God. <laughs> Their argument is about, and it's just a dead loss for him. Uh, but the fact that it did uh, benefit the peasants if they stopped killing each other as much, uh, it wasn't what was in the mind of the uh, the, 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 the kings and emperors, but it was a, yes, the problem back then was definitely the peasants and how much they wanted to kill each other. Right. That was definitely the problem. That's right. Peasant on peasant violence. Or, I mean, th that can happen. That is that beneficial historical trend. It certainly wasn't the social or economic inequality that led to violence consequences of other, other motives, but many of the ones that were proudest of that we think of as genuine moral progress uh, did not just begin with people spontaneously assembling and um, uh, pushing for the uh, for greater justice it did originate with someone formulating the argument well, it's sort of like all cliches were probably an original quote at some point right somebody's somebody came up with that what does it mean probably <laughs> and often 
Everything was an original quote at some point. Fucking all words are made up, even. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Stoicism, <laughs> not sending their best. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, you can trace a certain cliche back to uh, some person. It's, you know, it's always uh, you joke about Albert Einstein. It's always Albert Einstein or Mark Twain or someone. But yeah, but those are a lot of those are apocryphal. You dumb fuck. Mark Twain didn't say half the shit that you fucking see a meme of next to him of like. You can quote Mark Twain on that. <laughs> yeah, I saw the one. He's like, I didn't say that shit. Mark Twain. <laughs> one of the funniest ones i ever seen actually <laughs> occasionally yogi berra or groucho marx yes yeah but but it's like somebody said it at some point meaning like somebody had the idea but that also makes me think you know of this idea of the great man of history theory the idea that like somebody again made the argument at some point right so this guy's arguing for the great man of history theory right here he's like well somebody made the argument it must have been a great man I don't know the great man of history theory. It's exactly what you think. It's that 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 <clears throat> it's that history was driven by like a handful of great men, not by like masses of people, but by like a handful of great men. Yeah, I completely disagree with that. Yeah, me too. Thomas Jefferson makes uh, the argument. First of all, that it was always men. Second of all, that they were always great. Right. History. There's a. There's a lot of shitty people who made a lot of things happen in history but they also had the help of other shitty people let's not get it twisted well i mean most people are just average so most people who had significant historical impact were just average people created equally puts it in a document and it does fundamentally change the direction of humanity it's not yeah it was fucking it was fucking thomas jefferson or whoever the fuck he said that just came up with that by himself he's like oh all men are created equal yeah he came up with that himself sure Come on, get the fuck out of here. Really original thought, but but he manages to phrase it and support the argument as such that it convinces uh, other people to go along with it. And that that that's that's a that rational the ability to rationally do that. Um, maybe also, no, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal is not rational. You're not making an argument. Correct. You're, in fact, declining to make an argument. Right. And that's fine. Like, whatever. Also, like, I, I wonder if he thinks that's in the Constitution, because it's not. It's in the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> State the importance of that. That's right. And, and uh, Jefferson is an excellent example, because, of course, he, he himself was a, a flawed man, to put it mildly. <laughs> yes. And the, the country uh, did not live according to his principles. But that was precisely almost the word what Martin Luther King in his famous um, uh, speech after the March on Washington, namely, this country issued a uh, check. Uh, it was a, so far it's a bad check. We're here to cash it. Yes. Uh, namely, that all that all men are created equal thing. Remember, yeah. remember that you you promised we're here to, to, to hold your feet to the fire. God, they really only like like three sentences by Martin Luther King Jr. I'm telling you. They do. Yeah. Um, they really don't like hearing the other stuff that he said. <laughs> right. But it was fairly radical. A lot of it was socialist. <clears throat> like it, it was, it was not just this sort of like, like they like to say like a colorblind thing or whatever. That was like, he actually didn't believe in any of that shit. 
he his legacy it was organizing people to put their bodies against the machine and people don't like that legacy if they're the machine for to force you to make good on it so the idea outlived the uh original impl- implementation it was there to appeal to to and and it you know and, and it did have an effect i think by the way the, the general influence of uh, arguments on history not so much as great man but um i think it was uh uh, uh who said uh, it was a victor hugo no, there's nothing so powerful as an idea whose time has come yes and it isn't i mean in the case of jefferson of course there is that statue of him in washington and he's on the uh the um the ten dollar bill no what did what uh is he on our, is he on our currency he is uh, i forget <laughs> the point is i haven't seen cash in so long i yeah, think yeah, hamilton's sure. on the 10. right i anyway, think jefferson's on the know, 20. Knows who thomas jefferson yes. is but the thing is it, it wasn't about him uh it, it was about the idea and be wrong there are movements where the idea having been loosed in the uh, the, the kind of uh, intellectual marketplace of ideas People but the remember. the idea no 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 dude get get the fuck out of here these are like in light this is like an enlightenment idea this isn't like jefferson like the founding fathers or whatever did not come up with these ideas they were they they were to the to the extent that they were doing this or they were attempting to codify some ideas from the enlightenment into law in a new land these were not he didn't just it, it was it didn't just come into his head oh we hold these truths to self be self-evident that all men are created equal no he didn't make that shit up get the fuck out of here yeah uh, uh chat has corrected me jackson's on the 20 jefferson is on the two i, I don't want to get bogged down in talking about who's on the currency okay remember who originally formulated the idea takes on a life a life of its own and in the case of feminism for example i cite the first english feminist mary astell who co-opting one of john locke's arguments for why we shouldn't have slavery or absolute monarchy uh she said well geez if there's a good argument against um slavery in the, in the country why sh- should there be slavery in the home uh if it's not good for a uh, a man to be under the arbitrary whim of a king why is it okay for a woman to be ar- under the arbitrary whim of her husband or father and you know the, the idea did the idea did uh, catch on but we don't call it astellism and right. we don't you know kind of march around with with uh, posters of mary astell it's kind of hold on though like it's not like people heard that and they went oh you know what that's a really good idea i think i'm gonna go with that idea no, it was a fucking battle, right? And he's leaving out a whole lot of context here. And I just guarantee that, like, this person didn't come up with this either. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, whoever, she was just probably the richest person in a given time period who had enough privilege to speak these words and have them be taken seriously by other privileged people. And that's why Steven Pinker knows who she is. I mean, whatever, if you're going to use your privilege, like use it that way. But the idea that she was like, oh, actually, uh, this is bad too. the way that uh, women are treated in society. No way. Did she first come up with that? Absolutely not. Fuck. No. I mean, that's the thing is like these. It it was a movement. It was the movement. It was not the idea. It was the movement that caused social change. And a movement is made of people. It's not made of ideas. 
and she deserves enormous credit. But what counts is not that you know, this particular woman said it, but that it was a good idea. Someone sure. had, had to have said it. She was the one. Yeah, it's almost as if like in the way that obviously someone invents the hammer or the wheel or some some yes. early man invents a tool. And then that tool. Uh, How do you know it wasn't a woman? People applying that tool in different contexts to solve different problems or building on it or tweaking on it. These ideas are almost like the building blocks of our collective progress. And someone's saying, hey, you know, you shouldn't be able to do this to white people. Hey, you shouldn't be able to do this to black people either. Hey, you actually shouldn't be able to do this to people at all. You know, men or or women, you shouldn't be able to do it to people in different countries. And, and we're sort of it's like we're constantly applying or extrapolating out the uh, I don't know what the word is, uh, but but the the telos of the tool into different contexts and, and getting different results out of it. That's exactly right. The uh, philosopher what? Peter Singer called it the expanding circle what? back in a book in the late 70s. Defending so wait, someone allowed. invented a hammer one time and now women have rights. I'm I did not follow his his statement there. I also like question like, OK, so if you're using a rock to break another rock, is that a hammer? Like at what you know what I'm saying? At what point? And I, I mean, it's not. But like at what point? How much do you have to manipulate something to call it a hammer? Right. Like, it, does what it need a handle to be a hammer? Uh, maybe. But like, if, yeah. but like the, it's not like somebody just came up with the hammer because they needed to break something, right? They needed a better way to break something. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, if it doesn't need a handle, then we definitely weren't even human when we invented the hammer because you know monkeys bash things with rocks uh and um of course the next logical step is well why stop at um homo sapiens other animals are sentient too and uh, many of the arguments that we make against torture and and slavery for uh, other races should be extended to other species that is there is a, a kind of self-expansion we already have that energy. it's in the animal rights like you're not allowed to abuse and torture animals unless you know if you're elon musk uh that that all of the lines that um separate sentient beings into categories are at least morally arbitrary are there are there any ideas like that or expand like if we're thinking about the moral progress we've had versus where is this energy going in the future are there areas or ideas or things that you see, I don't want to say as promising, but just almost less judgmental. Where do you see the areas that we're expanding into or where, where do you see the forward progress potentially going? Uh, the, um, the idea behind Here, wait, before he answers that, I, I want to expand a little more on what he just said, where, you know, he was talking about there's this linear progression of you have like rights for men, uh, right, rights for white men, then rights for white men and black men, then rights for white men, black men, and white women, then rights for, you know, all black people and all white people. And then after that, you get rights for animals. But he's wrong on that because the rights for animals thing like people were debating animal rights 
back in like the early 1900s, way before the civil rights movement. <clears throat> they were probably debating, there were, were probably st- stuff about that prior too, right? I mean, they were probably, they were probably, you know, people going, why are you torturing your cow? Like even, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Like maybe like, you shouldn't be allowed to torture your cow, uh, but you can torture your slave. That's fine. Right. And yeah, these things don't, they don't, they're, they're happening. He's suggesting they're happening in series. And, and what you're saying is that, and I, I tend to agree that they're happening in parallel. It's just that there's more kind of energy behind more energy behind one of them at any given time in history, based on what else is going on or who has the, who's holding the microphone or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That that's, that's pretty simple. It's not, I don't think that what I said is complicated or controversial. Like, <laughs> namely that we try to measure the effects of our interventions and do the ones and keep the ones that actually do the most good, save the most lives Sure, uh, is, a, is a promising idea. And, and it is a rel- relatively new idea. Like, you know, go, go and measure and see if, if what you're what, doing. What, actually- what, what, it's a new idea to try to do what works to improve the lives of people. Get the fuck out of here. Also, I don't agree with him at all. There's a lot of regulations that, uh, that have demonstrably saved lives that we have pulled back. Oh yeah. Because but I mean, they didn't, they didn't incentivize profit or they didn't, uh, they didn't have the effect of increasing profit. And in our society, if a regulation doesn't increase profit, it is under much more constant scrutiny benefits the people you want to and ranking it in comparison to other interventions like that this charity has an roi of x and this charity has an roi of y and and yeah wait a minute no that's stupid too actually that's that effective altruism shit and the the thing is like some problems are expensive to endeavor to solve and so you're gonna you're gonna expel like expend more resources to make a lesser impact but the problem could be so bad that that's fine. Yep. And taking into account things that people often forget, such as if there is a, um, a, a, a newsworthy story featuring some pathetic and highly photogenic victims, sure. it, of course, it's good to help them. But remember that the very fact that it was in the news means that lots of people are rushing to help that little girl or, or this sure. particular community. And it may be that so many people have seen the news and have been uh, motivated to, to uh, hit the donate button that it's kind of. Well, then it, that's OK. That's this is this is so stupid. You're taking away the agency of the person collecting the money. Once the person collecting the money, if they're an ethical person, they're like, I've oh, got plenty of money for this. You can remove the donate button from your fucking website at any time. And instead put a fucking mm. thing that says, we would like to thank the people who donated to this. We've been able to take care of these people, you know, uh, you know, great, you know, and, and then you put a fucking, you go, you know what? There's this other person actually who could use some help. <laughs> like, I would say that only rarely happens. Right. It does but, happen. Right. But, oh, of course I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm just saying that. Um, it's an ought, not is, right? Yeah, of course. Like maybe people get greedy or whatever, but you're they're taking away the agency of whoever's collecting the money here now. They're almost calling yeah. it like like instead of crowdfunding, they're almost calling it like mob funding, if that makes sense. <laughs> Democracy versus mob rule, that kind of argument. Either organization may have been saturated and you might be better off donating to some movement that 
that uh, does not get the same publicity on a particular day, sure. saving lives seven days a week, 52 weeks a year, no one of those days of which makes it into the papers, but the dollar. I mean, they're also, uh, they're also not really considering like most people when they donate to a charity, they're going to either donate to a local charity or they're going to donate to a charity that personally, that, that is like working on an issue that personally affects them. Or that they care about because maybe it affects people that they uh, can empathize with. Yeah. So like if I, uh, you know, let, let's say, uh, well, I'll give you a perfect example. My uncle died of a brain tumor. I have donated quite a bit to brain tumor related charities. So, you know, it's, it's not like I sat there and weighed, you know, thinking about like, well, how much good does this charity do versus this other charity? Maybe I should be putting my money in this charity. No one's actually sitting there and doing that. People donate to things that are, you know, personal to them. Helping, uh, saving far more lives. So that's another new idea about uh, beneficence and uh, and, and uh, philanthropy. And, um, and, and another would be to try to explicitly take into account our own biases in order to work around them. The, the identifiable victim effect being one of them, namely we are probably too affected by the, the photogenic uh, victim in terms of the, which may subvert the greater goal of helping as many people as possible, but also our um, uh, vulnerability to the availability bias, that which is that we estimate probability by how easily examples come to mind. The news feeds the availability bias because that's kind of what it is. It's an availability machine. And it may be that solutions to big problems, including climate change, including um, um, uh, uh, safety and terrorism. Uh, might okay, so <clears throat> climate change, safety and terrorism. I don't think that those are things that we should be setting up a fucking GoFundMe for. Call me crazy, but I think those are the purviews of the nation state. I would agree. Yeah. So I don't, the answer there, unfortunately, people don't like this it's taxes, baby taxes. Yep. And, and then you, you hope that you have a, uh, competent government that will allocate resources and do big things with that money or with those resources. We're not going to solve climate change by all donating to some climate group. We're just not going to. Yeah. Cause you know, who's not going to donate? Uh, the, people, the people that hoard all the fucking money. <laughs> right, right. Hidden from us because we glom too easily onto a uh, gory image from the headlines that morning, as opposed to the uh, uh, underlying reality as revealed in data. Yeah, I'm, I know it's not exactly new, and I know it's sort of a boogeyman for some people, so it kind of be becomes almost fundamentally irrational, the response. But it also strikes me that some of the reckoning or conversation we're having with what they're calling critical race theory, again, I think it, a relatively bad name, but the idea that there are interlocking or interrelated forms of oppression or injustice that just one's intent on a given action uh, is not the whole story, that that there could be legacies of issues or or sort of different, different uh 
again, structural or systemic issues. So, so that uh, again, the, the the thing might have started with good intentions, but the outcome is fundamentally uh, unjust because it doesn't address for uh, preceding uh, inputs. That's okay. So, <clears throat> first of all. This guy's like, oh, I don't like the name. I think it's a bad name. Critical race theory. Dude, it's an academic concept. It's critical theory applied to race. Yes. Applied to race and racism in society. It is, it is not a marketing slogan. It did not come from the show Mad Men. Madison Avenue had nothing to do with it. You don't, you, there's no marketing department for it. Like it is critical theory applied to race. So tough shit. Yeah. And the reason he doesn't like the name is because the right wing has dragged the name through the mud. Yeah. I don't care what it's called. I, what little, I, what little I've read up on it. It's all seems fucking, it's all seems like things I kind of thought I already knew or whatever. And that were expressed to me in more concise and clear ways. Yeah, it's perfectly valid as a theory, and it explains a lot about our society. But, like, you know, people are calling things that aren't critical race theory critical race theory on purpose. Uh, like, what's the one guy who, who, like, tweeted out basically the quiet part saying, cool, now that we've, you know, successfully branded everything we don't like critical race theory they're going to struggle with this term in the future as in who was that guy relatively chris rufo innovative okay. or new way of thinking about uh injustice and progress i'd be curious what your thoughts are yeah i i tend to have a more critical view of critical race theory and critical uh theory in, in general the, the 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 problem with the movement is that by uh, uh, seeking and what's to called critical square, trying to root out uh, racism, a highly loaded and, and emotional and condemnatory term for what might be unplanned outcomes. It uh, can easily turn into a hunt for villains instead of an attempt to understand cause and effect. And uh, it may also misapply uh, but like that's literally not what it says. It doesn't say, you know, these things were intended to be racist or the people who implemented these things were racist. Like CRT just explains these systems have racist outcomes. So I would wager to you that I've spoken on air or on pre-record on the podcast to more critical scholars than either of these two have at least like in a public uh, way spoken to critical sociologists spoken to somebody who does critical legal scholarship um and uh, uh professor q is a critical scholar um i mean arguably uh alex mandela from the q q origins project is a critical scholar like these people don't talk to anybody who's involved in critical theory, much less critical race theory at all. They, because those people all criticize these people because critical theory, you're literally being critical of like the popular ideas in your society. Like that's what it is. So Pinker is a popular ideas guy. I don't know how that happened. Guy on the left, not so much, but falls in line with Pink Pinker's popular, popular ideas about society. So, and it could be argued that 
to some extent we do critical theory on this show is critical theory that that's like the the rubric that we approach this stuff from we're not neither of us are critical scholars neither of us have a background in critical scholarship but it could be argued that that's like the framework that we're operating from and so i just wish these people well i don't really care but for their for the people who take people like steven pinker seriously i wish you'd have more discussions with folks who are doing critical scholarship yeah i don't give a fuck they'd probably correct him on this like it it doesn't it doesn't explain intention you know whether it was intended or not it just explains why the outcomes are that way somebody in chat called it critical chicanery for a reform to that was actually the second thing that we were going to call this show <laughs> ever more subtle forms of of a racist because it really i by by using the term racist chic kind of, for short uh racial discrepancy it's a, it's a movement that basically attempts to to, uh, to demonize who are the bad guys they may not realize they're bad uh but no it literally doesn't like it it actually makes attempts to not demonize people right it, it, the like only thing from from what i have been explained it literally makes an attempt to not demonize any sort of individual and if anything's being demonized it's like systems and the inertia those systems have be they legal systems be they be they you know non-legal systems uh you know societal systems be they you know the medical be they the medical field be they the hr department at where you work where these biases these biases you know it wasn't that long ago <laughs> That, like black people had to sit on a different part of the fucking bus. These things have inertia. They don't just stop as soon as the laws are taken away. Yeah, the, the, it helps, right? It's not like it's bad to outlaw things like making people sit in segregated parts of the bus. But the inertia of the of the system that put that into place, it's it's still moving. Where you don't you don't just stop a barge. And like, that's what's going on here, and not for nothing too. A pinker is one of these race and IQ people. And so that might be one of the main reasons that he doesn't like any kind of critical theory or especially critical race theory, because he will often say that he is, in, you know, engaged in the dangerous idea of racial, like racial IQ differences. And so the critical scholars, be they the Frankfurt school, be they fucking current, currently people engaged in critical legal scholarship, they all think he's full of shit because he believes in that race and IQ bullshit. And so of course he's going to have, a, he's going to be critical of them because they think he's full of shit. And I think that it's, I think that he is full of shit. He's demonstrably full of shit. And so, but he's not going to say that here because that actually, after that big kind of kerfuffle, I'll call it <laughs> with uh, Sam Harris and <clears throat> uh, uh, fucking Charles Murray, that actually, it blew up for a minute and like it was starting to kind of gain some traction. And now I think people make fun of it so much that it, it, it is on the downturn again. Thankfully they'll find something new though. Don't get me wrong. They'll be like culture and they'll go back to culture, right? As soon as they, as soon as whatever fucking pseudoscience they have gets like made fun of, mocked, criticized into the ground, they'll just go back to culture, which is disgusting actually. Right you're just basically mm. saying that another group of people is dirty or immoral or whatever, because of what you've decided their races, be they from Haiti or Africa, which are actually on the opposite sides of the planet from each other. But, Oh shit. They all look black to me. Must be genetic. <laughs> like, 
or their nope. culture. Never mind the history of Haiti. My God, my God, you'd be—I'd be stunned if the if the Haitian people didn't have some major societal problems after what fucking white people did to them over the course of history. Africa too. Jesus fucking Christ. Whereas some of the discrepancies might be the unplanned results of um, of um, social and historical forces where there isn't a bad guy now. There may have been bad guys 250 years ago or 100 years ago, but kind of <laughs> doing this moral reckoning. Oh, there were, we can look back at the oldie times and find like examples of bad people and bad fucking organizations of people who are doing shit to fucking minority groups. But I don't know if we can find it today. I don't know. I don't see any of it here. Also, the people yeah, doing... The, the as far do, as i know racists are only from you know the 1800s ignore those people over there doing critical scholarship because they all make fun of me but don't worry i i had the last laugh i blocked every one of those last motherfuckers on twitter <laughs> and anybody who mentioned my name with jeff epstein's name the way to achieve real equality and to reduce poverty and well like again so crt or- is not trying to villainize people but there are certainly racists. There are certainly bad guys now. And Steven Pinker is just, you know, hand waving them away. Right. And I just, again, the, and maybe we'll, maybe we'll leave the, the CRT and the critical theory here. I just think these people should maybe spend a little bit of time having public conversations with critical scholars. They might be surprised at what they learn. Vulnerable minorities like African-Americans, um, the, uh, there's a, a saying that I uh, quoted in the, in the Better Angels of Our Nature from the great uh, pacifist statistician Lewis Fry Richardson, who uh, responded to the cliche to understand uh, is to forgive. And he said, well, you know, maybe, maybe not, but to, uh, uh, to, to condemn too much is to understand too little. If what you're always doing is trying to root out racists to shame, you may be oblivious to what is really happening and, and therefore point to the wrong causes and therefore be uh, impotent in actually trying to improve the lives of the, of the people that you're hoping to benefit. Yeah, it's it's a tricky it's a tricky thing because I think it's sort of political execution has been counterproductive uh, at 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 best uh, sloppy or outright uh uh flawed at, i think at, it's because people um, people who were studying crt weren't trying to make it political but but the idea of to sort of go to what you're saying that that to me it strikes me as a kernel of value in the idea that there could be injustice without a bad guy right like that that strikes me as an insight as far as how yeah. we understand history how we understand systems how we understand moving what we should try to do or build going forward. The idea that a racist is not always a bad boogeyman, but that there could be racist ideas or structures or systems in place that no one would choose, but because they are legacies of other things, we have them. That that's strict. Wait a minute. Isn't like, he's just like, he just described like uh, critical race theory. Yes. He just described it. He, he didn't like it when it, this guy's an idiot. <laughs> idea of, of as having some value i think the idea i agree the idea absolutely has value although to call it racist which is a uh a condemnatory term it's a vile thing to be a racist but to uh identify 
policies, structures, laws that disadvantage African-Americans as racist means that you are saying that there's a bad guy. And in practice, that's exactly what's happened. People. All right. We got to end the pod at some point. It doesn't. What the fuck is he talking about? So we got to end the pod at some point. We're going to end it here. I think we are going to finish this during the post game. But like what strikes me here is that they just said, oh, we don't like critical race theory. And the fucking dude on the left just described one of the main kind of points that's being made by the critical scholars that I've talked to and by the stuff I've read is that these, these are structures and the structures have fucking inertia. That's it. So does there have like, yeah, there are bad guys. There's these two. We're sitting here shitting on the idea that they actually agree with because they don't like how it's been framed because the people who have fucking basically the people who uh, espouse these ideas dunk on Steven Pinker all the time for being yeah. like well, a fucking phrenologist the, the interviewer. The interview only said that he didn't like the name. Uh, does he not like all of CRT or does he just not like the name? I'm a little confused on his position, but I don't, I don't think he's trying to give his position here. Right. And Pinker, but, Pinker's position was clear. He was like, yeah, I'm- Pinker's position, position was very clear, especially at the end there where he says, if you call a law, a, if you, if you call a law racist, then you're then someone is a bad actor like what the fuck are you talking about well i mean the, those who enacted the law were the bad actors right maybe but what if they're all dead well then they're not around to defend themselves it's the ultimate form of cancel culture hk <laughs> so like then who's the bad actor like you we're not like Again, even if the intention of the law was not to be racist, a law can still be racist. And in that case, it wouldn't have been passed by racists. It would have been passed by people who had good intentions and bad ideas. And they passed those ideas and the ideas have a racist effect. Right? So even like even giving him the benefit of the doubt, Steven Pinker is wrong. And if, if we don't give him the benefit of the doubt, like what I said is that he's mostly mad at critical theory because those people are the people who dunk on him in an academic way, not the cartoonish way that he talks about, not just posting pictures of him with Jeff Epstein until uh, he blocks them like I did. <laughs> <laughs> yep, there's that too. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know what to do with this. Um, Pinker's stuff is boring, but it's also really frustrating. And I really, really get kind of frustrated with like i don't know like kind of center left people who really like him because they're just either they haven't really consumed his work in any kind of meaningful way and have only seen his ted talks where he kind of knows the audience or or they just want to believe the things he's saying because they kind of want to be able to defend the status quo and i'm just kind of guessing as to the reasons here but the guy's just fucking he's just said some wild shit and he's just he's wrong constantly he keeps stepping in it and then blaming everybody else for it and it's just it's just amazing that this guy has reached like the rarefied atmosphere of academia and i don't understand it i mean it's the same as everyone else who labels themselves a public intellectual yeah, I guess so. Well, 
That's been the podcast episode. Don't worry, live viewers. We're going to watch the rest of this so you can continue to bash your head against whatever you were bashing your head against for the last fucking hour and 20 minutes. Um, HK, do you want to switch to something new? You want to read? Yeah, then we'll switch to something new and then you can maybe find a new object to bash your head against. No, no, no I mean, bash your head against something new. <laughs> yeah, if you've, if you've maybe destroyed the thing that you were bashing your head against. HK, do you want to read the show out? Yep. Uh, thank you for checking us out this has been the intellectual dollar tree we do this show every wednesday at 7 p.m pacific on twitch.tv slash echoplex media uh you can check out all our shows at echoplexmedia.com and if you'd like to support us you can either subscribe on twitch or you can donate at our patreon patreon.com slash echoplex uh stick around for red light if you're listening live this is boomers by periscope
If you like what we're doing at Echoplex and aren't into Twitch, please join our Patreon at patreon.com slash Echoplex. For $5, you can get every show from beginning to end sent to you as an MP3. Even the stuff we bleep out because it's too spicy for Twitch. Echoplex would not be where we are today if it wasn't for the community support we receive. Find out all the ways you can support the show at echoplexmedia.com slash support.